Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So about Michael Jordan, how you going to hit from outside the finals? You can't even get in. Hello and welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast, where we answer the age-old question, the question that everybody wants to know is, how can you hate from outside the finals? You can't even get in. How can you hate from outside the finals where you can't even get in? Now today, I know things look a little different. I'm here alone. Yeah, wondering, where is Jason? Where is Jason? Well, his internet's in some shit right now, so we had to record separately so we're going to come out and um, release these videos probably sometime this week. This is the week before Valentine's Day. So it should be coming out, um, recording this on Wednesday. So it should be coming out fully edited Thursday at 12 p.m. as normal, um, as well as his clips as well. So let's talk about how can you hate from outside the finals when you came and get in. And that's the main purpose of this episode today. Today, this is episode three of, I think, a seven-part series in which we will be discussing the greatest upsets in playoff history. So we already went through the Atlanta Hawks and uh, in the 76ers of last year and the um, 2020 Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks, in which the I think the Miami Heat beat them uh, 4-1. I think they were a fifth seed and Milwaukee was a one seed that year. So today we're going to travel back in time two years as well and talk about our third team here, I mean, our third matchup, which is the 2020 Denver Nuggets versus the L.A. Clippers. L.A. was a second seed. Denver was a three seed. So this matchup, you know, the L.A. Clippers was a team that had superior talent. They had a recent six-man of the year winner, which was Montrezl Hero. They also had Lou Will. Um the pick and roll was dynamite. They had offensive pieces like Patrick Beverly and wing depth and an okay center. Now they had, then they added Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George. This team was hyper talented. I mean, super talented. Everybody had touted them as the next championship team to win it all. Um, They were supposedly better than the Lakers, even though the Lakers took the chip home that year. And they, you know, we'll get into that. So the Denver Nuggets had, so now I was talking about the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets had guys like Nikola Jokic, which recent MVP winner, um, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray was playing out of his mind. Um, Tony Craig, Monte Morris, Paul Millsap was still good. Uh, they had Michael Porter Jr. who was still coming into his own. And, you know, these are the big players on those teams. And But Will Barton wasn't playing. So the reason why you could have seen this upset coming was first things first, it was like the Clippers, even though they had superior talent compared to the Nuggets, 
was they were not utilizing their talent to the full to the you know to the fullest extent of their ability. Um, the best way possible. I mean, you know, and have flaws like the head coach that the head coach wasn't seeing. So um, flaws that the head coach wasn't seeing at the time. So you know, had to, they had to overcome, and they so basically it's the one flaw that we always talk about on this podcast. And if you listened to us before, you know what I'm about to get at. Basically, you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and they score from virtually the same spots on the floor. Kawhi is a mid-range killer, can sometimes knock down a three. Paul George is a mid-range killer, can knock down a three as well. So they kind of they're very similar players, and so and both and they both have the ability to you know drive to the basket. So they have, that's another thing. They, they have three of the same things. They're basically they're identical players. They both play really great defense as well. Um, so they both are mainly wing scorers is what I'm getting at. So it's, it's very hard to find and figure out a way to put those two on the court at the same time. And they had other decent three-point shooters on the team, but those two created a great defensive duo, as I was getting into. You know, they're both very great defensive-minded, defensive-capable people. I mean, you know, players on the court. And the team had a defensive identity as well. I mean, you had Patrick Beverly, who was like this, you know, I don't know what to do, a pit bull. And then you had Montrose Harrell, who was, you know, dominating defensively and offensively as well. Um and that should have been realized and adequately adjusted for because they basically used that six-man rotation of Lou Will with Montrez Harrell off the bench and wanted to run the bench, you know, until – I mean, the bench unit through those two by doing that, they forced Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to play even more minutes together, which they should have been playing separate minutes. It should have been Kawhi Leonard and then, you know, when Kawhi Leonard sat down, even though you – know, but you want Paul George to start. You want Kawhi Leonard to start. You, you want them both on the court because they're both star all-star talent. But sometimes you have to make those adjustments so that your team can succeed. Um, we all see this, you know, we've seen this last year. We've seen these previous years is when Paul George was, is without Kawhi Leonard, he performs better. When Kawhi Leonard is without Paul George, he performs better because it opens up the floor because you don't have to worry about, okay, I have my spots, he has my spots. We're both going to attack from the same spots. So then it doesn't work. So basically... So what they should have been doing, what the Clippers should have done, is playing it like the Rockets used to do when they had Chris Paul and James Harden. They should have had one minute in the game where Paul or George or Kawhi Leonard is not on the floor. Rotationally speaking, that should have been priority more so just than just having Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams play together. They were so, you know, about, they were so much about, okay, we have to have Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell on the floor at the exact same time. This has to happen. This is, this is our bread and butter. This is what we need. And those two should have been starters, you know? So Montrezl Harrell and Lou Will should have been starters. Lou Will should not have been six-man. Montrezl Harrell should not have been six-man. It's better to throw out your best pieces early. I don't know what the thing is, especially Lou Will. When he's such a dynamite scorer, you definitely need him. You should Why, why wait until the second half to get, to get, the, to get that sc- those 20, 30 points in when you can have him start? And then, you, you know... Why you gotta have him? Why you gotta bring him off the bench? He, he's he's had this, you know, this six man syndrome. Follow him for his entire career. He's always gonna come off the bench now. He'll never be a starter. He's, he's not viewed as a starter, even though he could be your leading scorer off the bench. So, like I said, you need to have Montrez, Harrell, and Lou Will start. They need to, you know, and you need to put out the best lineup to win an NBA championship. And those to give things that allows Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to load offensively to be taken off for the low offensively to be taken off and the pressure to be taken off of those two 
which created a dynamic, a great dynamic, and it should have been 40 minutes of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and those guys leading the bench units more so than focusing on just having Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell do that because Patrick Beverly is a good defender, but he's not a good passer. And he's not a good scorer. He just can just hit standstill three-point shots, and that forced Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to be decision makers. We talked about this before on a recent podcast where the reason when, you know, before Clippers traded Rondo out and switched him out, um, he went back to, he went back to the, he went back to upstairs in Stable Center, not the basement in Stable Center, as the media likes to say. Um, before he got traded back to the Lakers was that Rondo creates a dynamic with this team that was not recently there is that you force Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to be decision makers. And they're not great thinkers. You know, they're not the intelligent, the great minds of basketball. These are more of your great scores, great defenders. These are those guys who you put the ball in the hand. They, you know what I mean? They can score for you, but they're not, they don't see the floor like a LeBron James. They don't see the floor like a Chris Paul. They don't see the floor like a Jason Kidd. They don't see that. They see their opportunity to score. So without Rondo, you put the decision you you make Kawhi play chess when he's not used to playing chess you make Paul George play chess when he's not used to playing chess so then you create a dynamic in which you have your best players on the floor but they can't be utilized to the uh, fullest extent of their ability because now they have to okay I have to score for myself and I have to think about how I can set it up so that other people can score because they're shot creators they don't need any they just need the ball in their hands and they're gonna they're gonna drop you know, 40, 30, 30, 40, however many points it's going to be. They don't really need anything else. They can get their own bucket. But there's people on that team like Patrick Beverly and, um, you know, Montrezl Harrell who don't do that. Lou Will is a shot creator. He can get his own bucket. But there's other people on that team who don't do that, who need somebody to go, okay, we're going to run the set, get you involved. You want to hit that side corner three. I know exactly where you're going to be at. Oh, back cut. I see you there. They're not seeing the floor in that in that perspective because they've always just been wing scores. So when you cr- get a swing score that doesn't have a, a basketball mind, then you and you force them to be a decision maker, you have a problem. Now you have them playing outside of what they're normally used to, so now they're not as effective as they should be. Yeah, we're still going to get the forty point explosions from Kawhi. Yeah, we're still going to get the forty point explosions from Paul George, but it doesn't really equate to a winning culture because now you have like I said they're playing chess when they're not used to playing chess sometimes high scoring does not necessarily equate to wins just because you can drop for you don't mean that you're going to win a championship basketball is mental as well as it is a scoring game it, it comes down to the greatest decision makers in the time you know like LeBron is a great decision maker Chris Paul is a great decision maker Jason Kidd is a great decision maker. Magic was a great decision maker. It's the decision makers. So back to this. I've went off on the tangent a little bit. So, but as I was saying, like, like I said, Patrick Beverly is not a good passer. He's not a good scorer. He just can hit standstill threes. Um, and the big thing is that it just forced Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, just to reiterate, to be decision makers. They're not, they're not decision makers. But, because, you know, because it's not natural for them. For their game. Now getting the Zubak. So Zubak was not a starting level center and got exposed by Nikola Jokic during this series. Um, Nikola Jokic, I mean. And Jamal Murray. So if you're already getting exposed to the center position, why not have Montrez Harrell 
who, yes, is shorter, but is punishing punishing the other team on the offensive end, so is leveling out his defensive weakness. And he overcomes that with phenomenal energy. And it's very apparent that was not being done because everybody remembers how off Paul George was. But the reason why Paul George never got into rhythm was because he was always forced to be with Kawhi Leonard. And he was always forced to be the off-ball guy running off the ball screens, not fully utilizing his talent, forcing him to be a very small percentage, forcing them to be a very, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to be a very small percentage of themselves. When I mean, no, forcing, forcing Paul George to be a very small percentage of himself when Kawhi Leonard is on the floor. And he's the type of player that needs to get shots up. He's a volume scorer. And volume scorers need shots. So, I mean, just like Lou Will. Lou Will needs shots too. And so is Kawhi Leonard. He needs shots as well. So you need to give them the most minutes possible. So when that is the end of the game and you need any of you need any one of them to shoot a corner three-point shot, they can make it because they're in rhythm. But they never allowed them to build rhythm throughout the game because Doc Rivers is a very bad coach. Let's face facts. He's, a, he's not a good coach. He's been given superstars who's had high talent and succeeded. He's not a good coach. Um, and he was not able to utilize their strengths and didn't see the obvious glaring weakness that he had to overcome, which is why he got fired because you, you had Morris to rotate in with those forwards and you had a lot of depth at that position. And the Denver Nuggets had a legitimate shot creators, which led to great events because they all worked well together because they had Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, who are not great passers, but they jailed really well with Nicole Jokic, which is one of the best passing bigs in the league right now. And they had Paul Millsap, who was still a good player at that point in time. He's regressed since, but at that point, he was, you know, he was still good. And this team had more consistent shot creators that were used more efficiently than Doc Rivers, than Doc Rivers, not using his players correctly to lead the team, to lead a team like Denver Nuggets. Having the ability to be a much more talented team with Michael Porter Jr. was also being a very effective bench role player. And their weakness was the center position. They didn't have any great center defenders or paint protectors. Jamal Murray would finish around the rim all the time. And they couldn't stop Jokic. This team was built for wing depth and defense. But they faced a team whose offensive specialty is attacking the basket and perimeter scoring from the guard position. So what the Clippers were built to stop. So so what the Clippers were built to stop the Nuggets were not. And that is why that matchup was a really bad matchup for the Clippers. And if, uh, the Clippers weren't built to stop the Nuggets. And that's why the, bad, the matchup was a really bad matchup for the Clippers. And if their offense was being used the right way at 100%, they would have still be the different Nuggets, but they were not operating and playing the kind of game that they could have been because they did not understand how to use those players for 48 minutes. They even still know, they still can't figure out it's, like rocket science for them. They can't figure it out. But the Nuggets were just built in a way that that was really hard for the Clippers to stop. They were built to stop a team like, they weren't built to stop a team like Nuggets. They weren't built to stop LeBron or Gar, Stephen Curry, and have people that can rotate and switch. They No, they weren't built to stop the Nuggets. They were built to stop a team like the Nuggets, you know, like to stop LeBron or Gar, Stephen Curry, and have people that can rotate and switch, but the Denver Nuggets was a team that had great point guard finisher at the rim, 
and Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic. So they were great at the things that the Clippers lacked at defending, which led to the upset that happened. And that was one of the greatest upsets because, you know, I'm a big Nuggets fan. If you listen to this podcast, I'm big on the Nuggets. Not right now. They're doing a lot of stupid stuff over there in Denver. But I'm still a big fan of the Nuggets, especially during this series, because I remember the year before, I remember, I think it was me and Jason, because we're good friends from college. It's a quick tangent real quick as I close up my argument here. Um, I think we watched Jamal Murray uh, get... Jamal Murray and the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, of course, uh, get spanked by Portland. And then for them to come back the following year and spank Portland, the Clippers, I was happy. I was on top of the world. You know, I'm a Lakers fan because of LeBron, but I was still happy. I was like, cool. I'm like, okay. Because I, you know, I really like the Nuggets. I'm really big on them. I understand. Um, I like how they're built. I like the young, you know, the young. I like Jamal Murray. I like Nikola Jokic. I like Michael Porter Jr. I'm still big on Michael Porter Jr. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with him. He might end up getting traded away like Bull Bull. But I, I just like the way they're built. I, I've been big on the Nuggets for a long time. So I've been big on the Grizzlies. So I just like those young teams, those young running teams, those teams that set up and have skill and just a good point guard. That's my kind of team. So... That wraps up for today. That is part three of the greatest upsets in NBA history. Um, we're going. This is titled the, uh, like I said, the greatest upsets in NBA history. Part three, Denver Nuggets versus the LA Clippers. Look out for that tomorrow on uh, February 10th. It should be coming out at 12 p.m. Uh, thank you all for listening. I'm Chris Muhammad, and we are the Basketball Addicts. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.